And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real, you're already working hard to earn your money, but how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app, your money will go to work. They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools, and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert-built portfolios of low-cost exchange-traded funds. You know I love those exchange-traded funds. There's automated investing technology, and as part of that, automated rebalancing. Many of you have been asking about rebalancing, and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It is Monday, July 12th, and we are here to try to take the mystery out of your financial life. We're like your financial coaches. We're like your trainers. We're the people who just want to put our arms around you, take the stress off of you, and help you make better decisions in your personal financial life. If you have a question, just send us an email. Ask Jill at jillonmoney.com. If you're on the website, jillonmoney.com, hit the contact button and we will get it. Okay. Mary writes, I'm considering refinancing my mortgage. My current loan is $143,000 at four and three quarters percent, 20 years remaining. Oh my God. I got it one proposal for a 15-year mortgage for 150 grand at 275. Should I stay with the current arrangement and pay down principal or switch to the new offer? I'm going to hopefully make this uh, assumption that you want to stay in the house for at least five, six, seven years because you don't want to refi if you think you're going to get out of this house anytime soon, right? Because there's fees associated. But presuming that's the case, yeah, refinance. Come on. She can go from a 20 to a 15 year and she, so she can shave off five years and pay just about like a hundred bucks more a month. That's a do all day long, right, Mark? Yeah. So um, let's do it. Let's move on. Okay. I always like this question because the subject is what to do with excess cash. (laughs) One of the great problems to have. Uh, This is from Linda, who's 71, her husband's 73. And Linda says, I have just retired. He's going to do the same by the end of the year. He's not contributing to a retirement plan. We are planning on using our 401k and Roth IRA when I turn 72 in January. My husband and I have about $1.2 million in retirement. Wow. $400,000 in stock. Our house is paid for, so are our cars. We are already using about $6,900 a month in Social Security and several small retirement funds. We anticipated meeting the minimum amount for our 401k and Roths allowable. Okay, question. We've got money in the bank. 
Oh my God, Mark. Mark, do you want to actually encourage us getting hate mail? All right. Mark is saying this is a good example of people who have saved. So let's just go back for a second. They got $1.2 million in retirement, 400 grand in stock. Okay. They've got $800,000 that is in excess of their emergency fund. So she says, we lost so much money in the dot-com bust. And so they've been hesitant to do anything with it. They lost, this is 20 years ago. So we're talking, Mark, this is that they've built this money up after the boom and bust of the dot-com era. So we are talking 20 years. She says, I know it probably doesn't make any sense since we kept investing in our 401ks and our Roths. And now I can see we've just lost all that money by not having it work for us. Seems like we should have done some investing in the cash, but now we can't afford to lose money since we're need, we need our funds for retirement. What do you advise? Mark, what do you think? Should we just keep it in cash and get some laddered CDs and go for it from there? Because I don't think they're going to need this money. What do you think? Okay, let's, let's see. Mark has a good idea. What can we do to give you some peace of mind? What amount of money would make you feel safe? Is it two, three, four hundred thousand dollars $400,000? Could we take some portion of that and build a very boring, conservative portfolio? We want to leave the money out that you think you're going to need in the next couple of years. Then we want to have an adequate fund that's just going to give you peace of mind. But beyond that, could we build a portfolio that's kind of a boring conservative portfolio? Maybe it only has like 20 or 30% in stocks. If that's the case, then gosh, I sure would really encourage you to do that and do it in a way that feels okay for you because it's okay to be spooked. People go through bad times, they get spooked, right? Okay. This message is from Hillary, who's been listening to our podcast weekly. During the pandemic, I listened every night before going to bed. You somehow made me feel like everything was going to be okay. Weird, huh? You know what? That's not weird. Anything that gets you through. And I'm glad. I'm, I really mean, I feel honored that that was the case for you. About five months ago, my husband passed away from dementia. Oh my God. He'd been struggling with it for seven to eight years. I was his caregiver. I really miss my partner of 48 years, but I know I have to take care of myself. I've always been pretty independent. So I hope the numbers I share with you make sense for long-term projections. Oh my God, she's only 70 years old. She says, I'm 70 years young, LOL. How do you like that? Good health and humor despite my husband's passing. I have a wonderful family for continued emotional support. Isn't that so important? Okay, here's where you can help me. I have $420,000 in cash, $160,000 in an IRA, $70,000 in stocks and bonds. Social Security is about $16,000 a year. Pensions about $31,000 a year. And that gives her net monthly income of, let's call it about $3,900. And she's got monthly household expenses, $1,800. And then it's hysterical. She puts money in savings still, and she's got a house that's worth three hundred seventy-five grand. I have a trust in place. All my wishes have been completed with a lawyer. Boy, you go through one horrible experience like she has with her husband, then I, you, you get that stuff done pretty quickly. Okay. She says, we had one child. Planning was simple. I own my home debt-free. I have a 0% interest car loan, and it'll be paid off in two years. No other debt. Here's the kicker. Since my husband partner passed, I've been inundated with financial advice. We poor little women couldn't possibly think for ourselves. Ugh. 
I don't think I have a lot of money, but other people certainly think I do. Anyway, my financial advisor is saying I should leave about 20 to 30 grand in cash and invest the remaining in a 50-50 split of stocks and bonds. That scares the crap out of me. I need to sleep at night. The banker, another financial advisor, tells me to put all of my eggs in one basket. His bank, apparently. They also have a big financial arm, big bank. Can you guess which one? Currently, I have the cash in CDs, in a credit union, additional cash in the big blue bank. What's your take on this? I'm more inclined to be on the cautious side. If you can give me some advice, I'd love to hear from you. Love, love, love your podcast and guess who? Oh, and Mark, of course. Okay, so let's be clear right now, gang. You, you hear this story, okay? Well, I want you to focus on two different parts of it, especially because we just had another question about cash. One is that in both cases, people have gone through some sort of trauma and the cash buffer gives them some peace of mind. And sometimes that is far more important to me and it should be to you guys than long-term returns of a portfolio, okay? In the previous case, you know, having $800,000 extra cash seemed like a little bit excessive. Now, in this case, we know that Hillary has more income than she needs. She is a net saver still as she's 70 years old. She's got the money in an IRA and stocks and bonds. So of her total sort of savings in general, she has about a quarter of a million dollars that's invested and 400 grand that's not invested, all right? You know, she sort of knows herself as an investor. You know, similarly in both of these situations, I'm wondering if there's some base amount of money that gives you some peace of mind and that we could peel away some other portion of the money. So for example, if you have $420,000 in cash, is it possible that we take 120 of that and add it to the stock and bond portfolio? Is that possible that we could just sort of shift some of the money so that, you know, you would have a more even split because we would like to get some of the money working? Now, it doesn't have to be individual stocks. It doesn't have to be individual bonds. It could be, uh, you know, maybe a couple of index funds and just have that be the anchor. And maybe you think of it more as the cash is for me the IRA I'll have to take out as I get to be 72 and that I will then have the stock and bond and index fund portfolio for my kid. Maybe that would be just fine. Do you think that works? I mean, now you've got the high yield money market, you've got the CDs. Could you peel some of that off? There is some baseline m- amount of money in cash that's going to give her comfort. It is probably going to be two to 300000 She can dollar cost average into the other portion. You got to sleep at night. That's the bottom line. Uh, I, I can't emphasize this enough. And, you know, some people don't have this option. It just so happens that you have been able you and your now deceased husband were able to save a lot of money. You gave yourself this option of saying, I don't need to be so, I don't have to be so aggressive. I don't have to be so bold. So Hillary, I hope that helps. Okay. Here's a message from a proud dad named Eric who says, Jill and Mark, I've told both of my children that if they were willing to invest any of their money, I would match their contribution. 
My youngest turned seven last week, and to my pleasant surprise, he's taking me up on the offer. I love it. He came to me Saturday with $31.50 of the $50 he got his birthday money, told me he wanted to set up an account so he could buy jobs, which I later deciphered and meant stocks. (laughs) I opened an uh, an UGMA account for him at Fidelity. And I plan to invest in two different index funds. The longer term plan is to keep him inspired and eventually use this brokerage account to fund a Roth IRA once he has earned income. I'm such a proud dad right now, but am I, am I missing anything? Is he missing anything, Mark? Yeah, it's, it has to be a custodial account at this age. And, you know, of course, you know, if he wants to contribute to his own college, that would be one thing, but that seems silly. And, and you know, teach him along the way. Keep, keep him invested. Keep him talking about it. Um, if you want some help with how to talk to your kids about money, you can go to the CFPB website, Money As You Grow. Money as you grow. That's the website. It's uh, consumerfinance.gov. Money as you grow. It helps you talk to kids who are different ages about different financial concepts. Okay. Natalie writes, my recently deceased father had many series double E bonds. My mother is listed on the bonds as the person to whom the money would move after. She's competent to handle her affairs, so I, as their power of attorney and only child, would like to know the most efficient way to handle proceeds from the sale of these bonds, probably in the neighborhood of $80,000. Do I have options other than cashing them in and taking the tax consequences? Thank you so much for your help. Uh, yeah, you do have options. So there's a couple of different options. I had this with my in-laws, so I actually, um, quite familiar with it. Number one, you've got to figure out how much the bonds are paying in interest and whether they're paying interest. Obviously, if they're not paying interest, you got to sell them and you take the tax hit. But if they're paying interest and that interest is higher than anything you could get right now, then you hang on to them and mom will keep them and they'll just keep paying, you know, accruing the interest. Um, the other thing is that, what you may want to do is start peeling them off. So if they're paying a decent amount of interest and decent obviously is, you know, relative because your cash alternatives are really rotten, getting a little better, but still rotten. So I think that what you might do is you might cash some in a little bit at a time, knowing that maybe, you know, you dribble it out and you hopefully then have mom pay the tax that's due. I know in our case, what we tried to do is we tried to, really time some of this with when income was lower. So like in a year that we sold a house, we said, okay, we're not going to pop that in here. Or if there was a year where there was something else going on, we wouldn't cash them in. But the problem is that if they're no longer paying interest, you bite the bullet and you cash them in. That's the deal. So otherwise, what I would do is, um, you know, add it to whatever portfolio she has. If she doesn't have one, you may want to start talking to her about helping her with a financial advisor, hopefully a certified financial planner, and uh, try to keep it simple. All right, that's it for the program. It's the beginning of a long week, a summer week, and we hope that you can get through it with lots of ease. Send us an email, askjill at jillonmoney.com. If you're on the website, jillonmoney.com, hit the contact button, and we will be able to help you out. Don't forget to tell us If you would like to join us on the program, Mark will arrange to get you on live with us. It's way better, so much better. And if you wouldn't mind, you can follow the Jill on Money Show on Apple or wherever else you get your favorite podcast. You may want to check out the new podcast, Eye on Money. 
And uh, don't forget, it's the middle of the summer. People are still sweating it out there. So do something nice for someone else today. And remember, our mantra is grit, growth, grace. We will talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening.